Well, good evening to you all. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Kyle Rohr. I'm a pastoral intern here at Temple, and it is my pleasure and my privilege to come before you and open the Word of God. Why don't we begin in prayer? Holy Father, humbled, humbled we come before you. You are ever always awesome and powerful and holy and mighty. And it, it is only through your grace and only through the power of your Holy Spirit that we could dare stand before you. Teach us through your word tonight. All God's people said, Amen. Well, they, uh, they, they've been saying that with the wet and cold winter or spring that we've, we've had over the last few weeks or, or month or so, that it was somewhat difficult for farmers to find the time and the dry enough days to be able to get seeds in the ground. But I think that most of them managed to at least find a day here or there. I know that was certainly true for a particular farm in Caledonia, Ontario, the town where I grew up in and where my parents still reside. Snyder's Sweet Corn is the name of the farm, and as you can probably guess, they specialize in growing sweet corn. And if you don't know this already, Caledonia, Ontario is somewhat of a smaller town, smaller community, at least it was when I was growing up. It's been growing as of late, but it still has that small town charm. And one of the reasons I say that is because in Caledonia, people get hyped up about corn season. And, uh, and when I say hyped up, I, I mean it. Um, Snyder's Farm is one of the only farms, I think it's the only farm in the area that grows sweet corn for, for human consumption, and they market it hard. They have a, a stall in town on the main drag where they sell the corn, and uh, there is a sign up year-round when it's out of season telling us how long it will be until corn is for sale again. And even in the towns in the, in the county surrounding us, um, any parade, they will have a float with a walking corn on the cob and a sign saying how long it will be till they will be selling corn again because we get excited about corn in Caledonia, Ontario. And I, am, I will go on record right now as saying it is the best corn you will find anywhere in the world because I am a hometown boy at heart and I like my corn too. <laughs> and they'll sell out every week. They will sell out at their stall. Well, they've also kind of managed to keep up with technology over at Snyder's Corn because I follow their, them on Instagram. And just the other day, they posted a picture that their stalks were starting to shoot through the dirt and they were um, getting everybody excited for the, the coming season. But here's the thing, when good old farmer Snyder planted the seeds, him and his family went out and they planted the seeds in the fields, there was absolutely no chance that those seeds, once they had germinated and had shot up, would become tomatoes. Right? There was no chance that these corn stalks, when they shot through the ground, might have yielded soybeans. 
right? Or even cattle corn, for that matter. No, when they went out into the fields, they knew they were planting seeds for peaches and cream sweet corn, and later on this summer, that's what they will harvest. Well, the book of Galatians in chapter 6 specifically shows us the same is true in our own lives, and so I encourage you to turn there with me. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 7 and 8. And so um, I'll invite you to turn there and, uh, and to stand with me for the public reading of God's Word. And if you're, you're maybe new to us, with us here at Temple at this particular church or church in general, this might seem a little odd to you to stand up while we read the Word of God. But what I akin it to is you know, somewhat like when we ask people to rise for the singing of the national anthem at a sports game. We do that in reverence for our patriotism. Well, here we believe that the word, this is indeed the Word of God, and we hold it in high regard. And so we're, we're going to stand together as we read. So here as I read Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, hear the Word of the Lord. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You may have a seat. Now this passage in the book of Galatians uh, comes at the tail end of a very impassioned letter written by the Apostle Paul to the churches that are in, in Galatia, which is a region in what would be now modern-day central Turkey. And it's actually interesting um, and heartbreaking, really, that we're hearing news of foreign missionaries being kicked out of Turkey when it was indeed a foreign missionary who came in and spread the gospel to the Gentiles at the very beginning. And so we need to be in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Turkey that the local church can rise up and be strengthened in the power of his Holy Spirit. And so Paul is, is writing this letter to the churches in Galatia. He had started these churches while, churches while he was on one of his missionary journeys, and he had gotten some news about them. He'd had some people write to him and tell him um, some news about the churches in Galatia that was troubling to him, to say the least. It seems that a group known as the Circumcision Party had come to them and were distorting the gospel. This was a group of Jews who were taking the message of freedom that's found in Jesus and they were adding to it the need to maintain the laws that were given under Moses at Mount Sinai and were necessary under the old covenant, but then were later fulfilled in Jesus. And we see here a letter filled with, with passion, and a passion actually very similar to what we see in the book of Ezra that we've been studying on Sunday mornings and how Ezra had this passion for the holiness of God's people. Paul has that same passion for the same purpose, holiness for God's people. And so Paul is the spiritual father to these churches, and he sees something that's taking hold in their lives that he knows is eternally damaging. And he's fired up about it. Now this group of people, the circumcision party as they're called, which by the way sounds like probably the very worst political party you could ever get behind, was quite, they were quite known to Paul. 
They had been dealing, he had been dealing with them and dealing with their false teaching all over the place and for quite some time and reminding those of the household of faith that they do indeed have freedom in Christ. And there are no works that, are, that need to be added onto that for the purposes of salvation or being justified before God. And so the book of Galatians that we have here in our New Testament is this defense of what we call the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. Let me say that again. The doctrine of salvation that's being made right before God, our justification before a holy God, the doctrine of salvation by grace, meaning we could do nothing to earn it, meaning it was only a free gift from God by faith We trusted in Christ alone for his atoning work on the cross. The salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And one of the things that this group had been doing was following behind Paul and attacking the churches that he was the spiritual father of and that he had planted by attacking his authority and trying to impose these laws onto the people and even sometimes writing to these churches in the name of Paul which is disconcerting for him. And so because of this, Paul begins by taking the first two chapters of this letter to try and reestablish his authority in their lives, to reestablish himself as their spiritual father and an apostle that was called by Christ specifically to preach to the Gentiles. And he even says in chapter 1, verse 8, that if he or even an angel were to bring to them, pardon me, a gospel that was contrary to the one that he had already brought to rebuke, that person because they should be accursed because nobody else should bring another gospel. Paul is not messing around. And much like we've been hearing about in Ezra, Paul is filled with this righteous passion for the protection of their holiness and for their commitment to the true gospel found only in Jesus Christ. And so that is what, the, what he does through the rest of this book. He reminds them that the law, that works of their own, had nothing to do with, their com- with the coming of the Holy Spirit into them. That works of their own had nothing to do with their justification before God. And that it, it was for them and remains only through being made new that we can be made right before God. This is true for you and I today in 2019. Regardless of what you hear, it is only by being made new in Christ that we can be made clean before God. And when that happens, we receive the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, the the very dwelling of God amongst His people. And so it's on the, the tail end of this impassioned plea that we come upon our passage And the outline of this passage is is very clear and very straightforward. Verse 7 gives us our main point and the title of our sermon, You Will Reap What You Sow. And then verse 8 breaks it down and shows us both sides of the coin. What happens when God's people try to sow to their own flesh, or to put it another way, try to do things in their own strength and for their own purposes. And then conversely, what reward awaits those who sow to the Spirit or who lean into the gospel with their whole being and trust in Christ alone. And so let's, let's dive in here, and I'll read again verse 7. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. There's a story early on in human history. In fact, it happens very soon after the great flood. We read about it in the book of Genesis. It's a story of the Tower of Babel. And through this story, through this retelling of this true event, we learn a lot about human nature. We learn about how very quickly they decided to disregard God's mandate and to try under their own strength to get back to God, and then to try and and prove to everybody else around them that they were capable of doing that. And it's the very same issue that we see here in the circumcision party, the same nature within humanity, that they're trying under their own strength to make themselves right before God. And we do this today. We see it all around us. Look around at our culture. You'll see thousands of ways to make yourself right, whether it's before God or before the universe or before some other deity or before just humanity, your fellow man, how you can make yourself right. But what Paul is showing the Galatians here in verse 7 is that this is a deception and to believe this is to mock God. So you cannot fool God. And honestly, we need to hear this tonight. You and I cannot trick God into letting us into heaven through some back door. Regardless of what the jokes or what the sitcoms or what the movies tell us, there will be no mix-up at the pearly gates. There is only one way to God. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through being made new, being made new creations through the power of the Holy Spirit and using His strength. And so that is what Paul is fighting against, this idea that has made its way into culture that you can do things your own way and for your own purposes and make God okay with that. But hear me tonight, to believe that, to believe that you're able to do that, or even to not intellectually believe it, but practically work that out, is to mock God, is to try and pull the wool over God's eyes, and God will not be mocked. And so we sow, what we sow we will reap. But what does that look like? Verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We see two sides here. Sowing to the flesh and sowing to the Spirit. Well, since the list starts with the flesh, we'll start there. We'll take a few minutes to look at that one. And what's pretty, what we see here is that, that harvest for sowing into the flesh is, is pretty clear. It's corruption. 
Listen, just like we cannot sow the seeds of an opioid pod and, and, the, and seeds from the plant of, of a cannabis plant and expect to reap the harvest of the ingredients for a light, healthy salad, we cannot expect to sow into the flesh and reap anything but destruction. Reap anything but decay and corruption. See, when farmers plant their seeds, they know what they will be harvesting. Old man Snyder knows that he's harvesting the world's best peaches and cream sweet corn. That's never in question. What Paul is reminding us here is that harvest from doing things our own way will always lead to corruption. What we see through the book of Galatians here is that Paul seems to have two ways in mind. Two ways that we sow to the flesh or do things our own way. The first is through rebellion, and the second is through the law. So the first is rebellion. What I mean by this is our tendency to use our freedom in Christ, to quote that freedom that we have in Christ from the law and say, hey, I have freedom in Christ. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, and it doesn't really matter. I prayed a prayer that one time when I was 13 years old, and I know that I'm, I'm saved, so I can live however I want. And Paul addresses this specifically in Galatians chapter, chapter 5, verse 13. He says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then a little further down in verses 19 through 21, he lays out what he means here by the flesh. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, when we are made new, we are given freedom from Christ, freedom in Christ from the bondage of sin. We're given freedom from the bondage of the law, but this freedom is not intended to be used as a get-out-of-jail free card for to do whatever we want, whenever we want. As Paul says elsewhere in Romans 6, 15 through 16, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you know, not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? And this list that he gives here in, in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, this is sin. He's showing us this list of, of ways that we, we sin. It represents of lives being devoted to sowing into the flesh, of gratifying our own desires rather than being devoted to the glory of God. 
and living in the newness that we have in Christ, devoted to holiness and serving God alone. This list represents gratifying our own desires and sowing into the flesh. I want to give you a personal example of this, where the Holy Spirit convicted me of sowing into the flesh in my in rebellion while quoting my freedom in Christ. It was a few years ago, and I found myself honestly floundering. I had graduated from Heritage a year prior, and I had no ministry jobs or even prospects. And I was just living my life. I had my day job. I was a somewhat of a leader in our church. I had my beautiful wife and two beautiful daughters, but, but honestly, I was, I was tired. I was aimless. And in my freedom, I would have a, have a drink every once in a while. And then in my freedom, that frequency increased. And it got to the point where... Um, I would never drink to drunkenness because I knew that it was a sin to get drunk. But in my freedom, I allowed myself to, to have a drink every once in a while. And as I said, that, that frequency increased to one or maybe two drinks a night. Whiskey was my, my drink of, of choice. But it got to the point where I realized that I was finding my rest in alcohol. Instead of trying to find my rest in Christ, I was allowing this freedom to take hold, and I was gratifying the desires of my flesh to find rest in, or at least to try and find rest in the drink. And I praise God that He grabbed my heart in that. I was I was sitting at the church that we were attending at the time, and we were singing the praises of God. I was faced with the glory and the holiness of God, and I had tried to push the conviction of the Holy Spirit on this one off for some time, but this time I couldn't. And so I mourned my sin. I mourned it, and I acknowledged it. I acknowledged that sin. And I had to tremble. I had to tremble at what the Word of God taught me about where I should be finding my rest in Christ alone. And so I had nothing to do but hastily obey. And I've repented. I've repented of this. I praise God that He grabbed my, my heart at that time. And I, I, I asked Christ for forgiveness. I asked my family, my wife, those who were close to me who I was walking with, I asked them for forgiveness. And I have, I have felt that freedom once again. I repented for allowing the desires of my flesh to take hold because sowing to the flesh always leads to corruption. Always. The second way that Paul talks about sowing to the flesh is through the law. Through the law. 
through trying to earn our salvation, by trying to please man, by showing them how good we are at following the rules. And the circumcision party and who had come to Galatia that Paul was writing against is trying to convince the believers that they need to work to make themselves right before God. And what Paul says is that this working through the, is through the flesh. In chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, he says this, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, they said, we, we heard with faith. That's how we received the Holy Spirit. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And later, in chapter 6, verse 12, he says this. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. This is what I was talking about when I said earlier they were trying to make a back door into heaven. They were trying to use their own strength for their own purposes and still get the reward from God. But the problem Paul is showing them is that trying to do this is folly. It's foolishness. It's stupid. Because God is not mocked. This is sowing into the flesh, and that will only, ever, always lead to corruption. Brothers and sisters, we need to watch ourselves from this temptation as well. Beware of any teaching that you hear or you read online or in culture or in a book or in podcasts that talks about ways that you can work yourself to God. Ways to justify yourself. There is only one way. And we need to be bold. We need to be bold in calling these ideas out in our own hearts We need to be bold in calling these ideas out in our own church. And we need to be bold in calling these ideas out in our culture. Consider Paul and his impassioned plea to the the people of Galatia. He's saying, it's so interesting, when you read the book of Galatians, he totally skips over his normal cursory greeting. He just dives right into it because he's so concerned for their eternal state. Or in in Ezra, how he's so impassioned, he pulls out his hair, he pulls out his beard, he lies prostrate, weeping over the sins of the people because he sees that their eternal state is at risk. And we need to be bold in calling these out. Let's ask God to give us the passion. Ask the Holy Spirit uh, in our small group questions. Uh, Over this past week, after uh, Pastor Dan's message on Ezra chapter 9, one of the questions that we went over was, what would happen if you had that same passion, that same fire burning within you? What would happen in our church if we had that fire of passion burning in us for our sins and for the sins of the people around us? Wow. 
how the Holy Spirit would move. So we need to be bold in calling these things out. I'm thinking of of these doctrines like the the prosperity gospel that says if you just give us more money, if you just make yourself have more faith, then you'll have more money and you'll be able to have more physical stuff. Be rich and healthy. That's not what Scripture teaches. Read it for yourself and you'll see that's not what it teaches Man, God has been reminding me this week how weak I am. But at the same time, how rich I am in His grace. That's true for you too. If you are a follower of Christ, we have been justified by grace through faith in Christ alone. And our riches, our riches aren't here on earth. God may bless us or give us Riches so that we can be, they can be used to bless others. But that's not the point. He may also leave us poor so that we can bless others. Some of the most profound saints that I have met have had the least amount of money. Or a big one in our culture right now is the gospel of inclusionism, where you're justified by agreeing with everyone. And by telling them that they're doing exactly what they should be doing. Because that's how they feel. This is sowing to the flesh. And it's not what Scripture teaches. It's not God's way. What about the belief that I've heard a lot that you, in order to be a Christian, you need to believe and, and vote for a specific political party. Or have specific political views. This is not from Scripture. This is adding to the gospel, and it's disgusting. All of these and so many more are sowing to the flesh, which leads only ever always to corruption. It all leads to an eternity away from God. It all leads to hell and eternal suffering. Do you understand? This is of eternal importance. This is life and death. Do not be idle. Say, ah, live and let live. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh, from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You see, praise be to God. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has provided a way, who's provided a way to kill the flesh within us and sow to the Spirit. And so reap eternal life. You see, sowing to the Spirit is not about doing better. It's not about doing more things. It's not about making ourselves better, more loving, more nice people. It is wholly about trusting in the gospel. It was wholly about trusting in Christ, knowing that He has made us to be new creations. 
He has regenerated our hearts and given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And by leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit, we will just by nature want to spend more time with Him, want to spend more time in prayer and in reading His Word and getting to know Him better. And as a result, the newness of life will start to flow out of us. And we will be able to exemplify the fruits of the Spirit. See, in, in 5, 19 through 21, we heard the fruits of the flesh. But then right after that, in 22 and 23, we hear the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Praise God. And this will answer the, the now what for those who find themselves sowing to the flesh, whether in rebellion or in law. So if you find yourself using your freedom in Christ to gratify your desires in the flesh, you can know that the Holy Spirit has already worked in you to renew your heart. You can be reminded that when you came to Christ, you laid to death the sin within you and you need no longer be slaves to it. Rather, repent of it. Confess it to God. Come to a trusted loved one and confess it to them and bring it into the light. Don't let it fester in the darkness. Bring it into the light so that the Holy Spirit can shine His light upon it and renew your heart. And by freedom, sow into the Spirit, doing it all for His glory and for His honor. Or maybe... Maybe the Holy Spirit has convicted you of adding to the gospel by requiring things of your own hands to get to God. We'll hear what Paul says in Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. See, by adding to what is required of you, you are nullifying the work of Christ on the cross. But there's still hope. Just like we heard um, from Ezra this morning, that even in the midst of their mourning over their sin, they say, but there is still hope. Remember anew that Jesus died to set you free from the bondage of the law, from the bondage of your sin. And, you have, and if you have given your life to follow Jesus, He has justified you. He has already done the work to save you. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. He has made you a new creation. And there is nothing that you can do to add to that. Rest. Rest in the freedom that Christ has given you. And so whether in rebellion or in law, sowing to the flesh will only ever always reap what? Corruption. But sowing to the Spirit leads to eternal life. It leads to a life of glory for eternity. 
Now, I know this may have been a heavy day for you. If you were here for this morning's message and tonight's message, it's been a heavy couple of messages here from the Word of God. And I'm sure there are some of you here tonight who are saying, man, I just need to get with Jesus right now. And maybe, maybe there's somebody here tonight who, who fluffed it off this morning. When John, Pastor John called us to, to repent, maybe you were like me when the Holy Spirit was trying to nag at me about my, my unhealthy relationship with alcohol, and I, and I said, ah, no, it's fine. Maybe that was you this morning, and tonight he's nagging at you again. He's saying, no, you need to repent of this right now. He's trying to get your attention, and so I want to spend some time here in, in, in quiet, reflective prayer. I want you to take some time to connect with God and to ask him if there is anything that you need to repent of. Have you been sowing into the flesh, through rebellion, through the law? Maybe you already know. Maybe you're like, Man, I, I heard the word and I'm trembling and I need to repent. Or maybe, maybe you're struck anew at the glory of the work of, that Christ has done in you and you just need to praise him for it. Or maybe you're, you're new here or you're not new here and, and you've never actually bowed the knee before. You've never actually allowed him to come in and to renew your heart. Consider this your sign. You can do that right now. It's time to pray and ask him to come into your heart and to make you new. And so let's pray to him now. We're going to spend a few minutes in quiet, reflective prayer, and then I'll come back up and, uh, to pray again. Oh Lord, hear the prayers of your people this evening. Lord, I pray, I pray with the words of my, my Puritan brother. Holy Lord, I have sinned, sinned times without number and been guilty of pride an unbelief of failure to find thy mind in thy word, of neglect to seek thee in my daily life. My transgressions and shortcomings present me with a list of accusations, but I bless thee that they will not stand against me, for all have been laid on Christ. Go on to subdue my corruptions and grant me grace to live above them. Let not the passions of the flesh nor lustings of the mind bring my spirit into subjection, but do thou rule over me in liberty and power. I thank thee that many of my prayers have been refused. I have asked amiss and do not have. I have prayed from lusts and been rejected. I have longed for Egypt and been given a wilderness. Go on with thy patient work, answering no to my wrongful prayers and fitting me to accept it. 
Purge me from every false desire, every base aspiration, everything contrary to thy rule. I thank thee for thy wisdom and thy love for all the acts of discipline to which I am subject, for sometimes putting me into the furnace to refine my gold and remove my dross. No trial is so hard to bear as a sense of sin. If thou shouldst give me the choice to live in pleasure and keep my sins or to have them burnt away with trial, give me sanctified affliction. Deliver me from every evil habit, every accretion of former sins, everything that dims the brightness of thy grace in me, everything that prevents me in taking delight in thee. Then shall I bless thee, O Lord, for helping me to be upright. To you be all honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen.